Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Are you an ambitious entrepreneur? You should join our conversation today with Frances Shagan. We're talking to her about how to find and retain a good bookkeeper, to talk about how to price your products and services correctly, and how to be a nomad digital entrepreneur. We have some really good tidbits today, so I hope you'll join us. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Frances Shagan. She is the CEO of Clear To You and the founder of Business Owners Success Club. Welcome, Frances. Morning. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, me too. So you have quite an interesting road into entrepreneurship. How did that all happen? The whole thing. Well, um, so I'm a serial entrepreneur and have always been. Um, I I have had jobs, but not too successfully. Um, Not for for employment? (laughs) Not really. Not really. Um, Yeah. So I've always kind of you know, found my own path. And um, yeah, I've explored a lot of different ways of of entrepreneurship. Um, But the funny thing is, every time I wanted to make up, make some money really quickly, kind of thing, I would find a bookkeeping job. (laughs) And then I would go back to being an entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, And, and so finally, it was like, don't, that's the one that's working. So that's when I started my bookkeeping business. Um, I was pregnant with my second child. And it was like, okay, need to make some money on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. Uh, get something steady, you know, like, yeah. Not, not so much the ups and downs of, of entrepreneurship, but anyway. So yeah, I owned a bookkeeping business for 15 years, which wow. yeah, yeah. I know, right? It, and it goes like that, of course. Yep. Um, and one of the cool things with that is I got to work closely with hundreds of business owners over a long period of time. Right. And, and you know so, the intimate details because you were doing their numbers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I got to know everything. Um, and yeah, and so some of my clients were thriving and some were um, struggling. Hmm. And, and so I wanted to see what was the difference between the two, these two groups, right? Because, yeah. I, you know, like I, like you said, I was deep into them so I could see that this was all happening. Anyway, I looked really closely and what I found out was that the business owners who were thriving were basically ignoring all of the conventional advice. Okay, and that the business owners, that. yeah. So the conventional advice about how to start a business is um, write a business, uh, have a killer idea, mm-hmm. write a business plan, get some funding mm-hmm. and then start. Yes. And if you listen to every founder's story, none of them are that. Hmm. And every single founder will kind of like giggle behind their eye, their hand and say, but 
you know, we did it an unconventional way. You know, we what we did is whatever they did. And all of those stories are the same, <laughs> but they're not what we tell people. And we tell people that in order to be successful in business, if you want more sales, you have you do marketing. If you, um, you know, if you want to be more profitable, then you have to manage your people and your expenses and, and all of these things. And the business owners that I found that were the most successful were the ones that were focusing on people. They were, they were um, thinking about their customers. They basically loved their customers and wanted to do the best that they could for them. And they loved their staff and they looked after them. And, you know, any marketing that they did was, was what was just telling those stories. And so it, that's when I, I got all that together and started writing my first book. And, and then I've just kind of been on the path of telling that story ever since. Why do you think we're taught one way when in, in another way, if it's, if your research is kind and in the field research is kind of showing you the exact opposite. Why are we told these things still? Um, so the whole management concept of for business is based around big business, mm. which, you know, whether, you know, whether that makes sense or not, um, those, some of these rules work for big business. They just mm. don't for small business because small business is not a little big business. <laughs> We're totally different. The other thing about management is that it um, it came out of like the early 20th, 20th century. Like the industrialized economy? Thing? Yeah, right. And, and so into those, they were into like motion studies and trying to make it, trying to break everything down into these little yes, bits so that they could, in. right? And, and, none, and it hasn't changed since then. Like we, we've taken pieces of it, you know, like the whole, how your brain works and, you know, um, how to be productive and, you know, we've taken pieces of it and, and we're moving forward on it, but just the whole underlying concept hasn't changed. We had, we just haven't changed it. That's interesting, isn't it? So when you, you're, you do the bookkeeping for 15 years, you learned that the successful people, was there a mindset around the successful people versus the not, not as successful people? Or was it just, they were like, I just got to do it my way and my way works versus how do you think, what is the difference from a mindset perspective potentially on the successful versus not as successful? The mindset seems to be that it's, um, I have something to bring to the world. Mm-hmm. And I care about it and I care about the people around me. And so I, that's how I'm going to bring it to the world. Whereas the people I found that were struggling were thinking more in terms of I'm building a business. I, I need to put a business, all the business pieces in place and that will allow me to do the thing I want to do. So if you put the thing you want to do first, mm-hmm. then that works better than if you try to build a business to do the thing you want to do. So it's a little bit about the why, about why you're doing your business. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you're coming at it too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you must have seen a lot of mistakes on the number side with uh, people in their books. What do you think was one of the biggest ones you saw? The things that people aren't looking at that they should be looking at. Oh, yeah. How much it costs to run your business. Like people don't see it. Um, <laughs> Unless you're really, unless you unless you have really good quality books, mm-hmm. you don't see it. 
Um, one of the things I see a lot of people do is they'll, they won't break it down by type of thing. So for instance, um, I had a client who had a clothing store and she was pushing this one line. She was the only one in town that sold this one line and it was a great line. But when we ran her numbers, we found that the gross margin on that line was the smallest. Yeah. So that was a reason to bring people into the shop. But when she, what she did is she rearranged her floor then, put that piece, in, that line in the back so people had to walk through the store, um, past the more lucrative lines, mm. and, um, profit went up. So you, you touch on something that's a little bit of my thing. I, when I'm talking to business owners, I'm so like, what are you measuring? So I think what you just talked about was the importance of measuring margin and understanding what each of your products or services are contributing to covering all your overhead and things like that. And yeah. so what I, when I look at people's books, there's so many times I'm looking like, well, how do you make any decisions? if you don't have the right information. Um, and then you just talked right there if, with the right yep. information, she could make decisions about what to do to, to um, still use that as a, as a lead magnet, if you will, <laughs> it, yes. it's an offline lead magnet um, to get people into her store, but she still, and, but she found a way to try and make it so it would work differently. What do you think? Uh, one of the things I, you and I talked about in the green room earlier this week was around what to measure and how to figure that out. And um, we have to look to a, an old friend that if you're not involved in your books, you may not have heard this term as your chart of accounts. Francis, what is your chart of accounts? Your chart of accounts is the list of um, um, accounts that you're going to use. So um, that's one of the things I work on very closely with people as when we start is to make sure that the chart of accounts works for them. Um, so for instance, you, most of the accounting programs will give you a set chart of accounts and then, you know, they'll do things like you'll have office supplies, postage. I don't know why postage is always separate, but it, it always has its own life. And I get rid of that because you don't need to know how much money you're spending on postage. Right. Unless, but unless that's part of your business, unless that's a, a major part, like unless you're like doing direct marketing through the mail, then that might be important. Um, if but you're mailing your stuff as a cost of goods sold, I would put it in a different spot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah. so it depends on how granular, granular you want to get. And most of the times you don't need to get very granular. Um, and it also depends on what's a, a significant part of your business. So understanding what that is. Yeah. I think that, um, I've, the chart of accounts, so really it's what you're going to measure, what you're going to report on, on your books. And it's going to be things that you're going to look at all the time. So this is where it's so important, like you said, to understand what are you measuring? And I, I, for one, have played a lot along on the top line of my business is trying to figure out what I want to measure. Do I want to measure this sale? Do I want to measure that sale? Do I want to measure by program? You know, so that I can, what, what information would impact the decisions I'm making. But you're right, I think what a lot of people do is just end up using the standard chart of accounts and therefore the information they get isn't necessarily gonna be what they need to make decisions. Um, when you, now we at an office had a conversation, we said, the first thing you should delegate is your bookkeeping. Why do you say that? <laughs> uh, because for the most part, like, well, doing your bookkeeping doesn't give you any extra information, like doing it, right? Um, I, know, I talk to a lot of people who want to do their own bookkeeping because they feel like it gives them more control. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but it doesn't, right? Because you do the transaction, then you record the transaction, and then you look at your books and figure out what that transaction did for you. So mm-hmm. doing the, like recording the transaction doesn't give you any more information. Um, for the most part, oh gosh, I had a, a client one time, a lawyer, he's charging, you know, this was a long time ago in rural Nova Scotia. He was charging $150 an hour. Uh, meanwhile, spending time doing bookkeeping. And I said, like, you know, you're paying me like considerably less than that. <laughs> and and this and is the business faster. I do. You know? <laughs> so spend your time making, doing the, the important things in your business that only you can do. Mm. And the bookkeeping is not one of those things. The other thing is, I, I used to say, I can do this faster than you can worry about it. I'm a professional at this. I do this really quickly. This is an easy job for me to do. So um, give it off to somebody who's good at it. And, and then the third thing is um, somebody like me, I, work with, I was working with hundreds of business owners. I have a lot of knowledge I can bring. Mm. So I'm looking at your set of books and I can see things that you should know about your business. And I can tell you those things. So those are like three really compelling reasons to hire out bookkeeping very quickly. And it's not that expensive. And then of course, the fourth thing is I used to save people money. Right. By, um, I find things and like, for instance, like HST input tax credits, there are so many more than people realize like, yeah, I would always find more and more and more. Um, and then of course on, on tax planning, right? right? Making sure that you're not paying more taxes than you have to. That's awesome. Now I have um, in the past and seen others as well, where they end up with a bookkeeper who, um, you know, it's a thing of nightmares. So how, as a business owner, do I, what questions can I ask when I'm uh, interviewing potential bookkeepers to know that you know what you're doing? Well, first of all, always get a reference or a referral. Mm -hmm. So ask other business owners that you know who they're using. So so right off the bat, you want to make sure that you've got somebody who has experience and knows what they're doing. Um, Also, um, it's a good idea to have an accountant, even if you only see them once a year, to do your taxes. Um, I would never do my my clients' taxes because I wanted another set of eyes on the books. Mm-hmm. So if a bookkeeper is telling you, no, no, I'll do it all, that that's kind of a signal, you know, you you want somebody who's who's willing to work with somebody else. Yeah. So you also ask your accountant to vet them. <laughs> oh. Right. So the accountant will know whether they're, you know, they can uh, they can look at a set of books pretty quickly and know whether they're they know what they're doing. So the three questions I would suggest that you ask is, um, how are we going to work together? Mm -hmm. Because because you want to make sure that the way they work is going to work for you. So um, what do you mean by that? um, Everything from, are they going to come to your place or not? Mm -hmm. Um, Do they need to see all the receipts or not? How how are you going to get them the information? How are they going to communicate with you? How often are they you're going to hear from them. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Those, you know, those kinds of things are great questions. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then, um, yeah. So you're going to have an accountant vet them out. You're going to ask them how they're going to work with you. 
was there another question or vetting yep. to be thinking about? Yeah. So, and, and then like what's included, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Oh, that's all <laughs> <What do> detail. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do for me? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then, and you know, the price, um, I used to get calls <laughs> over. Pardon? That's a reasonable price. Well, that that's the thing is it's really hard to know. Okay. I, um, I would get people calling me all the time and asking me my hourly rate. And that would like, that would be the first question. Uh, and I'd say, look, you don't care what my hour, I would literally say this. You don't care what my hourly rate is. You want to know how much this is going to cost you. Right. And, and, and checking hourly rates does not give you that information because at you that time hire- I was, I was super fast. They could hire so, someone half as good for half the money and still pay the same bill. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And then not get the, the benefit of the experience and all of those things. So, um, yeah. Uh, so a reasonable, and it really, really depends on how much work is involved. And you really don't know that until you start doing the work. Yeah. So I could never give anybody a, a price up front. All I could tell them is, um, nobody, nobody complains. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as they're paying their bill and um, it, it, uh, and it will be reasonable. Like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm, you don't stay in business a long time and, and gouge people. Yeah. What shouldn't I delegate? In your bookkeeping or in business? In book, bu- bookkeeping and setting it, like all the stuff to do with my accounting and my numbers. Is there, are there any things I should not delegate? Um, you, you need to be able to read your financial statements, right? So, um, that's something you can't delegate. You can't delegate the, the understanding of your numbers. Yeah. Because um, you, you need to do that. I had a client come in one time and I did his, um, I did his taxes. He, he, he just came in for that. Um, it, no, I didn't do his tax. Sorry, I did his bookkeeping. And um, I looked at his tax returns for a couple of years. And I said, did you know that you've been losing money for three years? He said, no. <laughs> His accountant had done his taxes and hadn't even told him he was losing money. So you, you need to be able to understand your own books, like what the financial information that you have there. So is it um, a bookkeeper or the accountant that would help you with that? Like who should be, who should you engage with to help you understand what's going on? Um, your bookkeepers who, who you're going to see on a regular basis. He didn't have a bookkeeper. He just gave all his, his paper to the accountant yeah. and the accountant took care of it. Um, you know, the accountant comes at things in a different way, and it's a good idea to spend some time with your accountant once a year, mm. um, because they're focused more on taxes, and they do know more about uh, how to um, how to lower your taxes. So, um, yeah, so both. Awesome. All right. Uh, moving on to masterminds, Francis. You told well, can me- I can oh. I just sorry, Wendy? There's yeah. one more thing I think you should you should do when you're. Th- when you're looking for your bookkeeper, and this is really important. Okay. How do they make you feel? Okay. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to work with somebody that you're uncomfortable with. If you don't feel like you can talk to them, if you don't feel respected and heard and um, that you can, that you can ask the questions that you need to ask, then don't work with them. doesn't matter how many other people say, Hey, that's awesome. Hmm. Um question that's coming in is what payments would you let your bookkeepers make from your bank account if any um i've never done that Mm. um here's the thing is like you can set your bank account to make payments 
on your own. Yeah. So, I mean, between you and your bookkeeper, you can, if you want them to help you with that, then you can do that. Um, so what payments, whatever you're comfortable with. And if you're, um, want them to do that, then yeah. I, I don't know that there's so much can be automated these days that you can just yeah. set it up and make it happen. I think that might've been a really important thing a few years ago, but I mean, my book, my bank account is hooked right up to my QuickBooks now. So it's easy. Yeah. And, and these days, like you set up automatic payments, you know, you can set it up with a credit card or with, um, mm. you know, you can, you can set up automatic payments in your bank account as well. Yeah. Okay. So anything else you want to add about bookkeeping or accountants or the world of fun numbers? <laughs> it's so much fun. Just do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy. And, um, you know, I, I tell the story about when I first started bookkeeping, there were two of us working full time in yeah. an office, managing the bookkeeping for um, three outlet automotive repair company. I can do that now in a couple of hours a week. So that's the power of the automation that's happened these days. Bookkeeping is just so automatic um, that there's no excuse to not be on top of your numbers. How often should uh, people be reviewing their numbers and how often do you, do you have to do your books every month quarterly? Like what is your recommendation around that? Uh, well, it, it does depend on the stage of your business. Mm -hmm. um, you should always be working on some aspect of your business at all times. And so the numbers that you're following may change over time. Mm -hmm. And it depends on how much feedback you need in it in order to know how often you should look. So if you're doing a, a marketing campaign and you wanna know if your revenue's gone up, you might look at it every day, right? you know, for that campaign. Um, but just sort of on the regular, depending, like, depending on the size of your business, it would be monthly or quarterly. Mm. No more than that. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, sorry, no less than that. No less than that. <laughs> Um, my question, next question is around masterminds and I, you're a big fan of masterminds and, the, and you say they have made a massive difference in your career. Can you define a mastermind in your opinion and then tell what the effect they've had for you? Yeah. Yeah. A mastermind is a group of like-minded, um, people. Mm. And, you know, so in this case, for me, it's business owners, um, and, you know, people who are sort of in the same place. Um, best if they have lots of, if there's lots of different um, industries and, and uh, different types of people, because you want that richness of diversity in thinking. Um, and as for what, I mean, my first book wouldn't have been published. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have published it without a mastermind. Um, things like I went to, to a TED conference. I would never have gone if it hadn't been for my mastermind groups at the time. Um, Every major accomplishment and achievement has happened because of mastermind groups. Just, is, it, is it just that they encouraged you, they motivated you, gave you ideas or all of the above? All of the above, all of the above and, you know, and contacts and, um, and it, you know, accountability, right? Hmm. So, you know, if, if you're coming into the mastermind and, and somebody's sitting there saying, okay, you said you were going to do this, did you? And, you know, you pretty it's much have to have. Done. <laughs> <laughs> 
do you feel like your entire life is about reaching the pinnacle of business success? Solid referrals, a steady stream of leads in the pipeline, profit year after year. But what's next for you? Are you going to keep working hard, hoping that the money will magically start multiplying in ways that you don't even know about now? Maybe you'll pick up an investment property or two to add to your portfolio. Can you even retire? Can you step back or step away or exit completely and not lose everything you've built? If you don't have the answers to these questions, you are not alone. This is exactly why I created the Total Wealth Accelerator, a program designed specifically to show you, the successful business owner, how to build your own private wealth portfolio. Because there's more to you than your business, and there should be more to your wealth than what you make from the business you've created. I want to show you how. Go to the Total Wealth Accelerator now to learn more. That's TotalWealthAccelerator.com. So, and I think it's so important too, as business owners, I think one of the things you probably could identify from your work said it's a lonely place sometimes, uh, um, you know, yeah. that you need to be around other business owners to who understand you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky you, your, your spouse understands, but many, many people, their spouse doesn't understand mm. about small business, about being an entrepreneur and holy crow that's so hard because you tr you want to talk about what you're doing but you can't talk about it with your family or you know sometimes with your friends um you're you're going to get the wrong feedback mm. and that and it it wears on you yeah you so being able to talk to other people and say oh you know whatever you have to say and they say i get it <laughs> yeah i've been this there. is how i dealt with it <laughs> exactly exactly that's awesome. And you, you're on to book number two, Francis. It came out earlier this week. That's so exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> What's the name of it? Tell us all about it and how it came together. It's um, called Creative Grit and it's on Amazon right now. Um, it, we hit number one. We hit number one. We're, we're bestsellers. Wow. <laughs> we're so excited. Oh, right. Uh, today we have best-selling author Francis yeah. on the call. I know we can say that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And that's the first time somebody said that. Thank you. <laughs> Holy crow. Yeah. So that came about um, a friend of mine. Um, talk about masterminds. I had a mastermind group and my friend Ivan was part of it. And so earlier this year, he contacted me and a bunch of other people and said, look, you know, this, this COVID thing, it's, it's going on and a lot of people really need help. Um, and I, he gathered this group of, of 10 of us who all not just survived COVID, but we've actually thrived through it. Um, and we've all written our stories of, of what that means. And the stories are so incredible. Um, you know, Matt started a food truck in the middle. Um, Cassandra, pregnant, needed something. Boy, I remember that. Pregnant, needing um, some regular income. She started a gift basket business. And, is, and it's taken off like crazy. And... Um, um, one, one of our gym, I think it was, uh, he had a business doing printing for trade shows. Ah. <laughs> Non-existent trade show. Yeah. And so he pivoted his business and how he did that. So um, it's just really incredible, the, the, the stories. Um, I told my story of uh, moving to Mexico for well, six months. Well, that's where months. I wanted to go next. Talk about that. <laughs> 
that was so cool. So um, yeah, you know, shortly after COVID started, the last of my kids moved out and I'm living in downtown Toronto in a rented condominium paying way too much for it um, and not being able to enjoy downtown Toronto. And so I gave that up and became basically homeless. Although I've, I, I say I live out of my car, but I've never slept in it. I just rented a bunch of Airbnbs and stayed, you know, wherever. Um, and love it. I love that. Um, and then because of COVID, there were a couple of organizations, um, Indigenous national organizations, got some COVID funding and hired me to help their entrepreneurs, mm. which was just like fabulous. Um, so it was almost, well, so it was like a real paycheck, but almost like working for myself. So it was perfect. Um, How did so you decide to go to Mexico? Exactly. So a friend of mine said, I'm moving to Mexico. I said, what, wait, we can do that? <laughs> and, you know, so the second wave was just ending. The inoculations were on the horizon. I called a friend of mine who was in Mexico, said, should I? She said, yeah, we'll pick you up at the airport. And so I had this amazing soft landing into a small town on the right on the Caribbean Sea. Um, yeah, stayed there for three months, uh, finished out the contracts and then uh, traveled around Mexico for another three months, just, you know, a month here, a month there. It was so much fun, so accessible. I spent way less money than I did in Canada, um, lived an incredible quality of life because you can there and um, can't wait to go back. <laughs> So how did you, did you run your business as well down there? Like what, how did that change how you did work did it, or did it? Well, the only thing it did is it really focused my attention because I wanted to work, get it done and get to the beach. <laughs> so it, <laughs> <laughs> That is quite a motivator. That is quite a motivator. Oh my gosh. Well, Francis, I'm going to open up the floor now for some questions. Anyone have questions about masterminds, accounting, bookkeeping, living in Mexico? This is your chance. Here we go. Melanie, bring her on. Hi, Francis. Wow. Hi, you're, you're delightful. <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank you. And inspiring and highly experienced in it. I never really, I've always appreciated hearing people's journeys and um, we always hear about the people who have influenced so the the masterminds um i'm wondering if if you wonder if if you think some of the benefits are because you're coming with a cohort of people at varying stages and diverse backgrounds and experiences that not only you can draw from they can encourage you because perhaps they're successful because they didn't do it the conventional wisdom way do you think that's at play as well and then the whole motivation that you get from seeing somebody just further ahead who's gone through it encouraging you so you can see that there's a solution do you think there's some sort of mindset piece at play with the whole mastermind uh support uh, yeah absolutely um one of the really cool things is you can talk about an idea that you have in your business that you want to do in your head, you're thinking of all the reasons why you should not be the one to do that. But everybody else in your group is saying, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. And when you do that, you should, do, you know, think about, you know, and, and to them, it's really clear mm. that yes, of course you can do this. And so that helps you think, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, and there's this sense of, yes, I can do it because they're telling me I can do it and they believe mm-hmm. I can do it. So yeah, I guess I'm going to do it. I can do it. Yeah. It's almost like it's already done. <laughs> well, I think that you, you, it's a good point, Francis, there that maybe we put our own barriers up to why it can't be done and uh, that are all our head telling us wrong stories, whereas every, no one else has those going on. Yeah. They just need the true you. Exactly. They have them in their own heads for themselves. So then that's our, our job is to do for them what they do for us. But yeah, when you, when you're talking to somebody else about their business, it's very clear. (laughs) The way forward is very clear and, and and there's no doubt in your mind that they can do it. And so it's so neat to have that whole group of people saying, yeah, of course you can do that. What do you mean? You know, and then you, you know, you can throw up your barriers and your thoughts and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> batting them out of the way. <laughs> a follow-up question to that yes, um, as well. Uh, so we're a tech startup here in Halifax, and I am a non-technical uh, CEO of a tech startup. So, and this is my first business. So, and I'm super jazzed about it. And I was, when you were talking about the mistakes that people make, like all the conventional wisdom and following that, it made me think of putting the cart before the horse because the horse is the drive and the power and it's the passion that's going to pull you pull. And then you think, and then when we build something before testing it out, a great idea in your own head with a solid business plan does not make a successful business. Like that really resonated with me. So a lot of people like myself with that passion, like we're all horse (laughs) and we're going to build that cart and we're trying to figure out, and we love our clients, so we're building the cart with input from them. Sorry, I'm going a little crazy with this analogy, but I was very excited about it. So, um, but, and then you start getting those questions. Well, what about this? You start getting that conventional wisdom. And so I wonder if you have, and if you don't have access to a mastermind group or any counter, are there any other like, uh, well, perhaps your book <laughs> would be one, any other kind of quick kind of me- mindset tricks that you picked up along the way to just filter that advice through so you don't because I can see people getting really really discouraged especially if you don't have the experience and somebody with experience is like picking up all the things that could go wrong which is a lot of what the conventional advice is based on yeah 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 um wowzer I you know your best bet is to talk to other other business owners whether it's a, a formal mastermind or not yeah. Um, you know, because it is really hard to counter that. I, I hear you. Like when somebody with experience is telling you all of this stuff, um, mm-hmm. the other thing you can do is, is like read some of those books, like, you know, like Lean In or um, Lean Startup. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Lean Startup, yeah. those kinds of things. Like Steve Blank, he, the father of um, Lean, Lean Startup, he says no business plan survives first contact with customers. <laughs> right so um and and the reality is that no i don't know of any product or service that started and and finished and looked the same right they all change they all change so just knowing that and be, and being able to say okay um and listen like your customers the people who are paying you they're the ones that you need to listen to. Yeah. You know, advisors, they, they have some advice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, 
there's a there's usually a grain of truth mm-hmm. but you have to um pull the grain and, and leave the chaff great thank you uh, yeah. yeah so talk to other business like are you part of um a volta i am yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. thankfully not, I want to clarify, I've been very well supported and I've had access to key advisors and helpers um, along the way, uh, some of whom are also clients because they serve a small business owner. So that's my space, right? So, um, but I just know in the, in the tech sector, especially with, with women founders, we get asked a lot of yeah. obstructive type questions and I'm learning now part of a program to learn how to shift the answers into more aspirational ones. So um, I'm excited. So it's not coming from personal current experience. I've been very fortunate in the ecosystem here. Mm-hmm. But I'm just out of curiosity for others listening as well who don't have that. So I think yeah. I wanted to get your advice on that. <laughs> that is a certainly a skill set around um it's, I think it's almost like a politician answer you have to do. <laughs> answer the question without answering the question yeah well you have your own you have the questions that you want to answer and you turn their question into one of the ones that you want to answer yeah right and it's all unconscious it's all happening on an unconscious level so it's not like to do it in a way that just helps them understand the vision and gets them back and engages them in the vision again and the potential um tricky yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. So to talk to other women founders who are experiencing that, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's Mars here in Toronto mm-hmm. um, where there's a lot of that discussion has happened a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, here in Halifax, it, with the Center for Women in Business has been amazing. Uh, yeah. Support of Volta has been amazing. IRAP. I'm just very fortunate. I just recognize yeah. it's not the norm. <laughs> Yeah. So Francis, what are you doing now? Because you don't do bookkeeping anymore. No, no. Um, I, I've got um, a couple programs online. I've got a, an online group um, and we hang out online and talk about money. And every second Thursday we get together and have just a money talk, mm. you know, bring any question, any thoughts. And we get into everything, you know, everything like personal and, and business. Pricing comes up a lot, um, yeah. all those things. Uh, and I've got two programs on the go right now. Um, the main one, well, really just one, and it's be your own CFO. So unless you have a CFO, you are your own CFO. Mm-hmm. And so um, I teach people how to be their own CFO. That's awesome. Oh, I think, Andre, do you have a question? Yeah, but I don't want to be my CFO anymore. <laughs> okay. Without yep. having to hire one. So my wife has been doing the books for i can't remember how long it's too big for math this morning but she's got her own business now she's too busy so now i got to transition that but i don't want to be making cra tax payments checking like i got i check the bank account frequently because that's just i gotta be on top of it but i don't want to be doing the day-to-day stuff or ask my business partner and do it either so how can i make use of my admin and new bookkeeper to do that. We are getting bank or an online banking portal that we can have some controls. So that's my thing. I don't want to be a CFO either. I'm tired of it. What's the difference between a CFO and a bookkeeper, Francis? First question, Wendy, thank you. <laughs> uh, the bookkeeper um, makes sure that all the transactions are recorded properly. And, um, and then the, that the information is there so that you can turn it into um, 
I guess well. they make, sorry, they make sure the data is there so you can turn it into information that you can then use to run your business. The CFO, the, their job is to do things like maximize profit, um, make, uh, manage the cash flow through the business, uh, set up systems so that you're getting paid, um, you know, making it easy for your clients to pay you. Um, they do things like budgeting, you know, that to-do list for your money um, and, you know, financial planning for your business. So the CFO is pretty high level stuff. A bookkeeper is a technician. So the, those are two very different roles. Um, and, and no doubt your wife did both. Um, you know, that happens in, in a smaller business and when it's family. Um, you're not going to replace your wife. Um, so you, you can't. <laughs> oh, you the business, sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're going to want a bookkeeper. And yeah, if you want that bookkeeper to make payments for you and you know, you've got a couple of controls in place and you trust them, like you wouldn't work with a bookkeeper you didn't trust, right? So yeah, um, yeah get them to do that. So you, you're going to want to find somebody who's quite experienced. You know, you're not going to be looking for the um, the newbie on the block, the the cheaper one. Mm -hmm. You're going to look for somebody who's more experienced. Um, in terms of the CFO role, um, somebody has to do it. And if that's not going to be you, then you're going to have to find somebody that you're willing to to pay. Now, and you can get a fractional CFO, so like a part time CFO. And um, you know, depending on what stage your business is in and, and how aggressively you're growing is going to tell you how much you need somebody like that. So if you're growing aggressively, you, you have, you need somebody there. You need somebody who's going to be able yeah. to make sure that you've got the cash in, in three months when you want to buy that thing that you want to buy. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, that the definition of CFO makes sense to me. It's never been defined. So I just basically what I need is a bookkeeper that'll do the odd online payment. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Andre. That was a great question. Um, Francis, what's the question I haven't asked that you'd like to answer today? Um, if any, just, yeah. Uh, let me see. I'm just looking at my, um, so, I mean, we haven't talked about pricing. I don't know if that's a thing, but it, it, it's it is a massive thing. Yeah. Um, what are your top two tips then on how to set your price? The top two tips, um, never be the lowest price. Mm -hmm. Never be the lowest price. You, for, for one thing, you can't out Walmart, Walmart. There will always be somebody who wants to be lower than you, uh -huh. who will come in lower than you. Um, so be the be most valuable mm -hmm. and then and charge appropriately. So that's number one. Um, uh, you know, I, I, just, I gave a presentation the other day on this and one of the things that came up was, the idea that if you're not cringing a little bit as you're telling your price, it's not high enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, you were the one that, that you have to get over yourself to get the right? price where you need it to be. Yeah. It, it's all in your head. Um, there doesn't matter what you price, there will be people who tell you it's too high. And there will people. There will be people who will not work with you because it's too low. Um, they won't tell you it's too low. They'll just Go say somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So you know, be where you. 
And, and if you don't like, and don't think that you're going to go in low and then build over time. Yeah. Um, because if you go in low, first of all, th the people who come in when you're low are not going to be the same people mm -hmm. when you're high. So you, you're not doing anything there. Um, if you're going in too low, then you don't have, you're not building resiliency and capacity in your business to be able to do the things you need to do in order to, to grow and get better. Um, which is everything from, you won't be able to service your clients properly because you don't have enough money and you're always trying to work harder to make more money. Um, you, you won't be able to spend time getting better at your job you're just doing the same things in, in doing it. So um, yeah, go in higher than you think you should and, and, and just give tons of value for it. I love that, Francis. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? You're on LinkedIn. Any Is that the best channel to get a hold of you at? Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn has this cool new thing called a newsletter. I just started a newsletter on LinkedIn and um, I, I now have more subscribers on LinkedIn on, than on my regular newsletter. It's so funny. <laughs> It just kind of took off. So yeah, LinkedIn is easy. Um, you can find me, um, the Business Owners Success Club, okay. everywhere. Um, that's the online community. So um, yeah. Awesome. yeah, LinkedIn is easy. And I love questions. So if you think of something later, please just send me a message. Um, questions are give me inspiration for new articles um, and just help me understand what people are thinking. And I love that. So please send me questions. I love that, Francis. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for coming to The Real Bottom Line where never be the lowest price is the real bottom line. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.